0: Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Welcome everybody. Um, So good to be with you. And uh, for those of you connecting with us in one of our locations, great to see you up in Rowley and in Hagley. And I want to say a special word for Hagley folks, because they're not meeting in the community centre, they're meeting in a wine bar this morning in West 1. And can I just say to you guys, on Tuesday, I'm talking to you ugly people. We said, our house is a spirit-led house. It's not those bottles behind you, all right? It's not at that bar, okay? So just make sure you know. But it's great to connect with you and great to see you and connect with you if you are joining us online as well. Um, last week, I asked you a question and the question was, how would you describe your house? And um, not, not, the, um, not the building, not the fabric, but the vibe, the atmosphere of the house. And, and I opened up this idea about our house being a vision-driven house. And I'll talk about what I mean in a moment. But I want to I open it up a little bit. But I wonder how many of you would love to have an open house, an open house. And so a few years ago, uh, my 50th birthday, <laughs> a few years ago, I can't believe it was a few years ago. My 50th birthday, I've told this story before, Alice and my wonderful wife, who's quite an introvert, okay, said, hey, if you want to have a few people round, as a little bit of an open house on a Sunday afternoon, then it's okay, we'll do that. So I said, thank you, darling, I'll do that. So I invited a few people round, 185. <laughs> and it was in the summer, so I thought hardly any of them will come. So I just kind of went for the, you know, the mathematic thing. I'll invite loads and only a few, they all came. And I have to say that my son who helped out on the day, Josh, is also a little introverted as well. At the end of that experience, they were both banging their heads on the wall at the end of it all. We all love people, but that was an open house. Listen, your house doesn't have to be that kind of an open house, but this house does. The Bible says that the church is the house of God. This church has to always stay an open house. To anyone and everyone. And on Tuesday night, a fellow walked into the um, uh, car park um, uh, as, as we, we, I was trying to get a coffee, and hard, not many people were there. It was just after seven o'clock. And he walked into the car park and said, What's this place then? And I said, It's a church. And I began to chat to him. And, and he's from northern Iraq. And he said, oh, I'll just live over the road. I've never known this was... And we chatted, we chatted, we chatted. And, and then I said, hey, you'd be welcome to come. If you want to come tonight, you'd be really welcome. And He went, oh, thank you, thank you. And off he went. And I thought He'll never, he won't never, he will come. And he came back 20 minutes late with a box of Turkish delight for us. <laughs> uh, and he sat on the front row by me all the way through the night. And he thought it was great. And he was he was selfieing himself on his camera, on his phone, with all these people singing like he was at a gig. And it was brilliant. And it was brilliant. And because our house is an open house for anyone and everyone, whatever their lifestyle, whatever their sexuality, whatever their history, whatever their story, our house is an open house, right? And that means that it's going to come with a little bit of mess from time to time, which we'll talk about as we go. But if we want our house to be an open house, there is a key to our house being an open house. How many of you have got a bunch of keys like this? This is my bunch of keys. How many of you, like me, haven't got a clue what some of these keys are for? But I still carry them around with me anyway, because they're on my bunch of keys. How many of you have got a bunch of keys, and it's been a long time since you've used certain keys on that key ring? You see, there is a key that I think is a key to open house. And it's this word, generosity. You see, when we're a generous house, we become an open house. And generosity is way more than talking about money, all right? We will talk about money a bit, but it's way more than that. In fact, I've called the title this morning, not just generosity, but courageous generosity. And and I want to suggest, I think it's maybe even courageous talking about generosity at the moment, okay? Because some of you are saying, generosity, are you kidding me? Like I'm hanging on for survival here. Like I haven't got a clue what's going to happen next month or in the winter when, when the bills go up and they are going up and that. And, that's, and I understand that and that's very real for some of you. For some of you uh, who are listening to me, you're full of anxiety about what might happen in the future. Some of you, money has always been a struggle. It comes and it goes really quickly. And sometimes you spend more out than what comes in. And for you, this whole subject Will, will evoke maybe a little bit of guilt or a little bit of shame or a little bit of regret. And I understand that as well. For some of you, you're so blessed right now and you want to be a generous person. You just don't know how. For some of you who are not maybe faith people or churchgoers, you're like, I knew it. I knew it. It's the first time I've come. First time I've watched online. All they want is my money. Listen, God don't want your money. He wants your whole life but money and possessions are connected to our heart and our devotion and ultimately God wants something for you way more than he wants something from you that's why this is so so important you see your willingness to release your life will determine the fruit of your life joy generosity is so important because the more that we hold on the less fruit there'll be from our life but our willingness to release our life is connected to the fruit of our life. You see, Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will gain it, will find it. And I love this verse in Proverbs chapter 29. One person gives freely yet gains even more. It's like they're giving and they're gaining at the same time. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. So it's like an upside down flipped kind of thing, isn't it? The one that gives gets more, the one that holds on becomes in poverty. A generous person will prosper Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Guys, generosity is more than an act of giving. Generosity is a way of living. It's more than an act of giving. It is a way of living. How do we become courageously generous people? Well, this quote by a guy called A.W. Tozer, who wrote a lot of really deep stuff, okay? He said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We could speak for weeks just on that. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Generous people have a sense of who God is. You see, generosity doesn't come from a place of scarcity. It comes from a place of security. Generosity comes from a place of identity, not inadequacy. We know who we are and we know whose we are. And when we think of God, we think of God as not only a creator, but as a provider, and so, therefore, we can be generous with our stuff. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our emotions. We can be generous because we know who it is that we're connected to. And you know, you'll hear me say this a lot it's not wealthy people who are generous, it's generous people who are generous. Now, not to say that wealthy people can't be generous. But generosity is not connected to your wealth because Jesus said, there's this little old lady here and she's giving so much, but she wasn't really, but she was because it wasn't her wealth. It was her generosity that made her generous. And my bottom line today, which I want you to go away with is this. The key to generosity is not your wealth, it's your choice. The key to generosity is not your wealth, it's your choice. And what we're doing is we're looking at this idea of the church, the early church, the first church, Being a kind of a model that we want to take our values from. So if you're newer to us as Life Central Church, this is who we are. This is our house. Last week, we said our house is a vision-driven house. Not just a vision of what and why, but a vision of who. Today, we're looking at this, that our house is a generous house. And we want to be courageously generous people. When we look at the early church, there were three marks of generosity I want to pull out. Number one is this, they met the needs of the poor. They were generous to those around them who didn't have as much as them. And that's why when I speak today, some of you, okay, life is tough right now. And in terms of of finance, in terms of income, in terms of provision, you're in need right now. That's why you're so welcome to be in our house and we want to help. But others of you, you're blessed. Why? So that you can also be a blessing to others, not just in this house, but in our communities as well. And when you look in in Acts chapter 2, you read of the early church, it says this, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. There was such a courageous, radical generosity inside of them. They knew they were blessed not to build their fences, but to extend their tables. See, so in our Western world, the more money we get, the more fences we build around us, don't we? The longer our drives, the more secure our gates, the more the moat is around our house. And yet in the early church, when they were blessed, they didn't build fences, they extended their table. They welcomed others around their table. Generosity is a way of living. It's not just an act of giving. And there are four areas I want you to kind of think about, okay, in terms of this. And the first one is this, treasures, money, Okay, and we'll talk a little bit about that. You do know if you are a follower of Jesus, all the stuff that you get is not yours. It comes from Him. We're meant to be stewards of this, right? And it's connected to where our heart is. That's why it's so important. But it's not just treasures, it's also talents, which is why we've been talking a lot about serving. And we had a great dream team party a week or so ago. And listen, we want to encourage any of you and every one of you to sign up for the dream team. And you might say, And I'm hearing this a lot. Oh, that's all right. I serve out there. My workplace is where I serve. No, your workplace is your mission. Your ministry, theologically, is what you do within the life of the church to build up the body so that we all reach maturity in Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. So we're all to discover a talent that God has given us for our ministry and a talent that God has given us for our mission, which is the outworking of what God is doing in our life. But it's not just treasures or talents, it's also time. Many of us are more cash rich and time poor than we used to be. And time is one of those things I think God is calling us to be generous with. And the fourth one, I've added this one in, is table. Who do you bring around your table? How can we be generous? Not just to your friends or your family, but to those others who maybe are not like you. They met the, needs of the, board. the problem is for you and I, we have so little margin, don't we? We have so little margin financially. We have so little margin when it comes to time. We have so little margin when it comes to talents. We have so little margin when it comes to our table. And what the Jews used to do, I said this last week, is they used to, in their fields, they'd always leave a corner of the field unharvested for those who needed it. They created margin for others. So important. But secondly... They also, they supported the mission of the church. So so they met the needs of the poor, but they also supported the mission of the church. In fact, fast forward a little bit and the Apostle Paul is writing to one of these early churches that uh, started in a place called Corinth and he writes this in 2 Corinthians. Uh, He says this, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians telling them that since last year, you and Akai were ready to give and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. Most of them, not all of them, but it's stirred most of them to action. In other words, this church was courageously generous, not just in meeting the needs of the poor, but in supporting the mission of the church And I want to say something to you that I've never said publicly before. This is a new thought for me, okay, that I've got from someone else. But I want to share it with you. And hopefully you won't throw anything at me, all right? Uh, And here it is. Every follower of Jesus should have a plan for how they intend to support the mission and the vision of their church. I've never said it like that before. But if you're a follower of Jesus and this is your church or you're checking out and wanting this to be your church and wanting to receive from it and give to it and be a part of it, every one of us need to have a plan for how we're going to support the mission and the vision of this church. For me, my plan is, is what I want to call percentage first fruits giving. I call it tithing. So for me, everything that comes to, to us financially a certain percentage of that, for us, it's 10% as a minimum, we give to God and through the vision and the mission of this church. Because we recognise that everything belongs to him anyway. He's entrusted it to us and we want to not kind of give it to him. We want to return that to him to say, God, we want to put you first. And by doing it first, we're declaring who is first in our lives. Not at the end of the month, but at the beginning of the month. Not in the loose change at the end, but in the beginning. That's our plan. On top of that, we want to be open and generous as needs appear as well. That's our plan. What I'm saying to you is everyone who's a follower of Jesus should have a plan. So what's yours? It's gone quiet in the room. So what's your plan? How are you going to support? And you say, really? You're saying that with interest rates like this and with all of the things coming up? I am saying that. And I'm saying that because we need to be courageously generous people who know that our God is a provider. And in these days, when it's so easy to contract, it's so easy to get tight because everyone's saying how tight it is, we must be people of an opposite spirit. So what is your plan? You see, all givers say, I am so blessed. All non-givers say, I can't afford it. Listen, it's nothing to do with your wealth. It's not wealthy people who are generous. It's generous people who are generous. You know, if you, if you want to figure out how you work this out, your plan for help support the mission and the vision of the church, we want to encourage you to do that. Go to our website. Go to the connection point. You know, there's a whole load of ways you can do that. Talk to someone. Do something with it. And you might say, well, well, I couldn't do that 10%. That's fine. You figure out a plan for yourself. But every follower of Jesus needs to have a plan for how they intend to support the mission and the vision of their church. But you know, the early church, they didn't just meet the needs of the poor. They didn't just support the mission, the vision of the church. They went above and beyond. They went above and beyond. Look at Acts chapter four, love this. In Acts chapter four, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, we know that name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Wouldn't that be amazing? Do you know what I mean? He basically just sold a field. He had some stuff and he, brought, he was going above and beyond. God has so done something in his life He said, What can I do to further the mission and the vision of of, of the kingdom of God? What can I do to go above and beyond? What does a generous person look like? Let me just give you a few things what a generous person looks like. They have open hands, not closed fists. They have open hands. And it's not just money. They're, they're open with their abilities. They're open with their time. They're open with their home. They're open with their words. They're generous on social media. You know, They're not, they're not horrible and critical and, and pulling down, but they're generous. They're open-handed. They're not entitled people, but they're grateful people. They, they tend to be more joyful people. They tend to be ridiculously content. Generous people do. They tend to be generous with more than their money. They're passionate about life. And actually, research suggests potentially they have a better life. You look at a lot of research out there, generous people have a have a longer life expectancy, honestly, they have a better sense of mental health and well-being. It's because there's something built into the fabric of who we are as human beings that when we're generous, we're more like God, who so loved the world that He gave. And when we're generous, Actually, that comes back to us. You see, the thing is about the kingdom of God. It isn't about giving; it's about investing. There's always a return. There's always, always a return. And 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 you know, Paul Paul said um, in in Corinthians, um, you you know, about these amazing Christians that were giving, and it was overflowing, and it was abundant. They were going above and beyond. And we as a church want to launch something today. We are going to go above and beyond. And I'm gonna explain what this is a little bit more at the vision gathering tonight. But as many of you know, over the last few years we've done various things where we've talked about, hey, there's a budget that we have that meets the that you know, puts the lights on, pays the bills, does this, does the ministry and the mission, and we couldn't reach kids like we're doing, or young people, or run food banks, or be overseas like we are, or have microsites or location. We couldn't do any of that without your faithful giving. But who predicted COVID? Who predicted a war in Ukraine? Who predicted the winter energy crisis? Who predicted all these things happening? And as these things happening, we as a church want to respond generously, but we can't because our budget is so tight. And so years ago, many of you were giving financially to things like the third place and Vision 2020. And we're just basically saying, "Hey, above and beyond is gonna be our new opportunity where as God blesses you, Or as you feel you can, you could give to that, which would enable a chunk of money that we could be generous with as a church. Wouldn't that be amazing? So when things come along, we'd be able to bless people. We'd be able to encourage people. We'd be able to meet needs. We'd be able to respond to what's happening around us because we are people ready to go above and beyond. And at the Vision Gathering, I'll open this up. A little bit more with us tonight. Love you to be there. And if, if this is not your church and you're checking us out, again, we'd love you to be there. Go to the connection point. We'll make sure we get the codes to you and you can join us for an hour or so tonight on Zoom. But I want to finish this morning. We're going to take communion in a moment. And as we do that, I want us to do something which is a little bit radical. I found this kind of generosity prayer, which is really, really challenging. Anyone up for a challenge today? Okay, thank you for the two of you who are going to join me in a challenge. Let let me read the challenge to you and this is it. This is the prayer. Father, I give my front door key to you. I give you my front door key to my house. My house is your home. Bring whoever you want, whenever you want, into my private space this week. That's really painful and difficult, isn't it? Jesus, I relinquish my schedule to you. My days are in your hands. Help me to welcome interruptions this week as gifts from you. I need to learn this one. This is so important. This is about generosity as well, isn't it? Oh, but you don't know how busy I am. No, 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 I don't, but He does. And if He brings an interruption across your door, there's a reason for that. Spirit, I surrender my possessions to you. All my stuff belongs to you. Help me this week to be a generous person for your glory. Now, in a moment, we're going to read that prayer together. But we wanna, we've created this prayer so that you can take it away with you. And there's a, a couple of ways you can do that. It's going to come up on the screen now. There's a QR code and you can get your phone out. We did this with Jason Perkins the other day. And you can QR that code and that will take you to this prayer, which you can save as a download onto your device. But if you're not, that, if some of you are like, please stop all the tech stuff. We've printed it out for you as well, all right? So it's a bookmark for you on the connection point, wherever you are, whatever location you're in, one of these is there for you as well, hopefully. I'm sure it will be, okay? We'd love you to take this, put it somewhere where you can see it this week, and maybe pray, what would it be like if hundreds of people, and there are hundreds of us connecting together today, those online as well, we'll post that in the chat for you. What would it be like if we prayed this prayer every day this week? Father, I give my front door key to You. Bring you wherever You want. Jesus, I relinquish my schedule. Help me to welcome interruption. Spirit, I surrender my possessions. Help me be a generous person. What would it be like if in these days that You and I live in, we were courageously generous people. I think it would be amazing. I think your life would be different. And maybe we could change somebody else's life for God's glory. And if you're not a person of faith, I want you to try this generosity thing out anyway and see how powerful it is, even if you don't believe in God. I want to invite us to stand if we're willing and able. And wherever we are, in our locations, in our sites, stand with me. And we're going to read this prayer out together. And then we're going to take communion Because Jesus freely gave. Jesus freely gave. And at the end of that bit from uh, Corinthians, when Paul talks about their generosity, he says at the end, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. We're generous because God has been so generous with us. Let's pray. Let's read it out together. Father, I give my front door key to you. My house is your home. Bring whoever you want, whenever you want, into my private space this week. Jesus, I relinquish my schedule to you. My days are in your hands. Help me to welcome interruptions this week as gifts from you. Spirit, I surrender my possessions to you. All my stuff belongs to you. Help me this week to be a generous person for your Glory. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your incredible generosity to us, expressed when Jesus hung on the cross and took our pain and our sin and our brokenness and our shame so that we could be healed and saved and restored and forgiven. You are so generous to us. And so, God, I pray that out of your generosity, You freely gave. We want to be people who freely give with our treasures and our time and our talents and our table. Not just meeting the needs of the poor, not just supporting the mission of the church, but going above and beyond. We'll only do that with Your Spirit at work within us. And so Lord, now, as we take communion, as we worship You, God, would You fill our hearts again with gratitude. And out of gratitude, make us generous people, I pray.